And to finally sum up tonight's adventure in podcasting, it's basically to say I have to start talking about advocacy. That just means you get the facts for the individual who has had a sexual assault in the ER so they can make good decisions. They need to know what a rape kit entails. They need to know when the detective is going to be there and that the advocate cannot be in the room because that breaks confidentiality. They want to know what to expect. And if anyone is mistreating them, that the advocate will speak up for them. So advocacy is a really important thing. And the thing I kept telling the hospital was, do you want this feedback? You guys need help in data and truthfulness and not taking the money and make it so obvious because you had a couple people who really showed me over and over when I persisted in asking basic questions like, do you have people that are specialized in PTSD? And do you want feedback from these DBT, CBT groups, CBT, sorry, cognitive and behavioral, cognitive behavioral training and dialectical behavioral training, as well as information that shows me that you harm people through diagnosing and sending people to this place. And that's Northwestern Memorial Hospital, the neurology department. So what is this place? And why is it clearly creating suicide after nine weeks of specific behaviors? Once I was in the space for a while, I can go figure out that information, I'm sure. If I get those dates and that data, and maybe that's the next step. How long was I in there and how much money did they take? Anyway, I offered the hospital advocacy to say, you guys need this. Just like I offered the school, hey, make sure you never do this again to kids with special needs. And instead, they chose to cover it up, forcing me to speak publicly about it. Because I will not do this privately. Because I've already restructured twice from sexual assault and nobody had to know. And why the only person who needed to know, well, what they did, I cannot unsee, unhear. And since it can help others, I will continue to talk about this. All right, until it's all gone. All right. Anyway, thank you for listening. This is a very short one because I don't want to push it to 11 p.m. I want to show that there's no sense of urgency or having to fill in every single second because there is this sense of no waste when it comes to violence. Maybe that's kalala. Maybe that's part of listening to the homeless community and how they talk about how they have to get used to losing their stuff and not having nice things because someone's going to beat you up for it, steal from you. And you can only live with that feeling for so long, every day. Anyway, I want to tackle suicide. So episode, excuse me, season four was devoted to suicide. I recorded a lot of it and was not able to organize, go through it, or listen to it. And I don't know if I will ever be able to do that. Record and listen, na, 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 listen to the recordings I made while in the midst of suicidal inclinations. Where it felt pretty dark. But I did the methodology, which was to talk about it. And that's why I think we have the strategies to help people a lot more at a lot lower cost. We have to get out of the thinking that we don't have the resources, the money, the specialists, the manpower. When I saw very simple acts of care, concern, and super duper free or cheap 
that help people. Just offering, hey, you're hungry. I heard you in session today. You want to get some lunch, my treat? It's funny that they don't take. They will take very little, and yet I have lunch with a friend, and they know I'm paying, so it's like three courses, any drinks they want. (laughs) And it's like, kidding me. How many times has that happened? And that's why their word, who pays? Anyway, I like treating people. It's sort of a secret thing because food is so important. And, well, when I write about it, um, when I write about it, these groups of people that have identified themselves and their self-esteem with the things that they have and these optics and the way they present themselves, certainly, but it's also to move people away from asking questions or doubting what they say. There's something with the visual that disables people from believing what they can't see. And that's why, that's why food is a big piece of it. I don't know how it kind kind of came together, but it started a very long time ago when I wanted to make soup for the homeless because it's restorative and it's a memory on replay that I now get to talk about. All right. I'm done with the monthly podcast. I made my goal. I did more than the the month before, and I identified some triggers that are still problematic. So you got to keep going to know what to do next. And I told the hospital setting, thank you. Everything you do, no surprises, is guiding my advocacy. So I hope they're not surprised because I'll be coming back and speaking to them again. Also, I think not having to listen to myself and knowing that this is the first time I speak and publish it on the podcast is helpful too. I've never done this before. And it minimizes the amount of menina, physical fine motor labor on both sides of my body, so left side and right side. So that's good. But it also, also, let's just say, disables that fear, anticipation, and dread, knowing that even if I do record, I'm going to be triggering, and maybe that's why I can talk a little more clearer, hopefully. All right. This was just to sum up this month's podcast and to recognize I don't remember anything that I wrote or talked about, so I am still in the moment, and I cannot organize if I'm living in the moment without a past or a future so I do art because that's in the moment and that's like working with the kala a child with special needs you're in the moment you know exactly what's going on and you're ahead of them because you have to make decisions for them not for you All right, I'm getting really close to 11. I can feel the anxiety and adrenaline and all of that entering and moving up because time and deadlines are such a trigger. So I'm just going to stop this, upload it, and call it episode five, no, season five, episode seven, and get away from that sequencing thing, five, six, four, five, four, five, two, three. Nope, I can break those cycles and I can stop.
my body from dictating. And that's an important part of recognizing when you're not safe in the world because of vertigo, dizziness, stigma. You know, I fell a couple times. Nobody helped. And, 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 and other things. Let's just say that... that this thought wasn't fully formed, so I lost it. And why? To help organize when you cannot write sentences, you know, terribly well, because I can't remember what I just wrote, then, then you have to do other things. So right now it is voice. All right? And because I identified iMovie and the filming video might be a little bit of a trigger still, That's the direction of how to remove that. All right? First step is to listen to the voice, the origin. And the voice is threatening. And what exactly is it about the threat that is causing trauma? That's what I'm interested in. All right, let's get to the nitty-gritty stuff. And really... First, recognize there are people out there that make up mental health, make up suicidal inclinations, make up all these feelings, and it's a narrative that they learn to repeat. How do you know? I do. I know when someone's lying about that because I live with it. And I've dated it. All right? So I'm going to talk about two experiences One with somebody with mental health who was doing something about it and one claiming to have mental health who was not doing anything about it instead changing the narrative and using the energy for that. So let's compare and contrast and hopefully now I can start writing that first thing because really all of this is to get me to write pencil, pen to paper. And if I have to repeat it a hundred times, I'll do it. Because every third time I hear it, I say it. And that's how I know. I will never share how severely bad this is. You only get a small percentage of it. That way, that way, I always know, I always know that if you can't handle this, how can you handle that? So... All right, as an educator, I'm going to change up the speed a little bit. We're going to zoom through a lot of these traumas and triggers and get right to the most important bit for next time, suicide. And if individuals know a survivor victim patient would speak one day about the events that happened without the stigmatization, without the fear, without the strategies, and without the threats, would they literally do what they did again? So now it's different. I'm going to speak about these things. So would Eileen Johnson, Morris Goldman, Sherry Fang, Yvonne Curran, et cetera, et cetera, would they continue to have done these things? I don't know. I don't know and they don't know. But isn't it interesting to ask the question in order to end trauma? All right? You got to motivate people. And since their words were, well... I'm not going to say them aloud because that's the trick. 
I'm not going to give them power. I hear them very clearly. I don't need to repeat it. But it is the reason why I will stay focused on that goal. And one day their words will fade because I made the conscious choice today not to give it power as it slowly fades away. The one thing I did notice is that when people do get to a certain place in life where they don't feel like they should, you know, need help from others or don't need to vent as much because their little problems have been, you know, magically solved or whatever, they do tend to forget those that have helped them. So I was very aware of that. I don't want to forget anyone who has helped me. But I am feeling better. And that means a lot of the trauma isn't there on replay. So I recorded it. Or I trusted that it's not meant to be the one that is to be tackled. It is just a very minor character, even though it felt like a major thing. The major characters will always be on replay until they're addressed. So let's focus on those ones. And like I stated before, the biggest one is people that make up mental health. To avoid questions, to avoid blame, and knowing that the majority of us would never question somebody sharing that. All right, so here's what they do verbatim. Because that's how I'm organizing the one composition that needs to be told in a linear fashion without being broken up in PTSD bits and pieces. And the reason for that is because you need one linear story to organize everything. And it's... um. Dating, all right? Year one, year two, year three, and so on and so forth. Everyone talks about their relationships in terms of how many years they're together. And their assumptions are then around that. Why aren't you getting married? Well, why aren't we getting married? You're right. Oh, yeah. What are we going to tell them? (laughs) What do you want to tell them? What's the story? And why the first time I said, hey, I actually agree with them. Why aren't we moving into a house? Everything changed. I didn't even know that this was possible. I got my answer. And it's a behavior I've seen on replay. So be bold, be brave, say what you need to say out there, pay attention, and always stay true to who you are. All right? I'm like really scared to end this podcast because I think I pushed it too close to the end. 11 p.m. But oh well, we'll see what happens. All right, till next time. And also, and also, and also, I may not remember anything that I said or wrote, but everything that I've said and written is part of this recovery. Thank you.